0: Welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. I'm really blessed tonight to bring a thought along the lines of Fit for Life. I want to talk about a way of life. Can you say that with me? A A way of life. And I wanna start by sharing a story. Now, I shared a story about my eight-year-old son this morning, Liam, when I gave our uh, covenant giving encouragement. And unfortunately for Liam, I'm gonna be sharing a story about him again. And I think I can get away with this because he's so young, he's out in kids' church, that he has no idea I'm talking about him. That when he gets older and he starts joining services, I might have to ask his permission to start sharing stories about him. But I find as I have the honour of parenting Liam and then Zoe is my three-year-old girl who's just a bucket of electricity that just spins around everywhere and my little boy Flynn, that I learn more about life through their challenges and encouragement towards me. And so last week, I have the honour of coaching my son's basketball team and I've been doing it for three years and basketball to me is a way of life. I I love basketball. Basketball was the first ever sport I was ever any good at. My parents put me through soccer when I was from six to about 12. They forced me to play soccer nearly every weekend. And then when it was summer, they forced me to go to swimming and to do competitive swimming. I don't think I've ever won any race in my entire life. And I'm so embarrassed to be one of those kids that was forced to wear Speedos every time they went. (laughs) But thankfully, I was in a school, a primary school, where a teacher noticed that I'd shot up about three or four inches uh, taller than everybody else in the year and said, you will be a great basketball player. I had no idea what basketball was. And so I picked it up and it became an addiction. I loved it. Everything about it became a representative basketball player. Now, that sounds good to say here in Rockingham on the outskirts of Perth, but in the small country town where I'm from, there weren't many basketball players. And so to be a representative basketball player of my town didn't mean a heck of a lot. (laughs) But I loved it. And so I love now getting to teach my son how to play the game. But there's just been one problem this entire time. My son hasn't been very good. He's more interested in playing video games. And so most of the training sessions I do, I'm counselling my son in the fact that when he shoots the ball and it doesn't go in, that he can't scream at the ring and say that the ring's wrong. (laughs) there's something he can do about it. And so I've been through this entire time praying in my heart that my son would start to love basketball like I did. And it happened last week. And so we're playing a game. And we're, we're the oldest player in our team is nine years old. And we're playing for some reason at the Rockingham Flames facility in the under 12s age group. So they're playing against kids older than them. First game of the season, we got creamed. And so second game, we thought we're up for it again because we're up against kids at least one year older. But it was an amazing game. My guys did not give up at all. In fact, we could have won the game because we missed about 30 shots. (laughs) (laughs) As a basketball coach, I'm learning patience (laughs) and how not to swear under my breath. We lost the game six points to four. And my guys were great. They they knew they tried. They knew they had it against themselves. The players that they were playing against were older than them. And that at age range, it makes a huge difference. But I caught my son Liam at the end of the game and he was running around ropeable and full of rage. I've never seen him like that except for when his mum turns off his Xbox. (laughs) And he's running around and he is saying, those refs, those refs blew their whistle too much. They blew their whistle too much and he comes running up to me and said, Dad, every time we found them, they blew the whistle. Yes, that's what they're meant to do. (laughs) Dad, every time the ball went out, they blew the whistle. Yes, that's what they're meant to do, son. And he was so angry and he looks me, he he grabs me and he, he doesn't say Daddy in this moment. I knew he was serious. He said, Dad, he said, Dad, Dad. I'm taking my basketball to school and I'm practising every day. I'm going to dribble it a hundred times, shoot the ball a hundred times and I'm going to cream them next time. (laughs) You know what? I was so proud. (laughs) I was not calming him down. I was not saying it's okay. I was not going to say to him that they probably had little chance of beating the older team. I loved every minute of it. It doesn't finish there. We get in the car at the end of the game and we're driving home and all of a sudden Liam moves from rage to deep-seated sobs. He's crying. Now again, I'm really happy because I'm thinking he cares about the game. But he says, Daddy, now he changed from Dad to Daddy, I knew something was up. Daddy, I did something wrong. What did you do wrong? You played great. You did excellent. Daddy... When I realised we were losing, I may have called the other team members dumb. Oh, okay, why'd you do that? Because I was really frustrated. And he's crying. Well, son, this, this isn't helpful. He said, it didn't stop there. I may use some hand gestures that implied the fact that I was disappointed <laughs> that we got beaten by the opposition. <laughs> Now, I want you to know, as Lima's basketball coach and the coach of his entire team, I've never taught them to raise their middle finger at anybody. (laughs) So I'm going to blame his school. (laughs) But he's crying in the back. And this is odd. This happened last week. He's crying, deep sobs, because he raised his middle finger. He said, not once, Daddy, but twice, because we lost the game. And so it was a great moment where I asked him, well, what can we do about it that's going to help us? And he said, Well, Daddy, that's why when I thought about it, it wasn't going to make a difference me raising my middle finger at them. Maybe I should just take my basketball to school and practice and get better so that we beat them. He gets things much better than I do. He has this opportunity to rage and rebel, life's unfair everything's frustrating, nothing's working out and his initial response is to just vent and just rally against the problems and somewhere along the lines in that little eight-year-old person, he clicks and says, maybe, maybe if I practise, we'll get good enough where I don't need to raise my middle finger at them and they can do it at me. You know, I think... It is so easy to point at problems and issues and allow that frustration to stop us dead in our tracks instead of using frustration for the purpose that I think God designed it for, as motivation to change. So I don't think frustration is a bad thing. I think rage and anger and extreme outbursts are not helpful. But frustration, I think God can use it to cause change and transformation, if we respond to it in a way that says, God, what do you wanna do in and through me to change me to be more like you? I think it's okay to look at life and say, Lord God, there is a way of life where you wanna train me, develop me, equip me, so that I can be everything I was born to be in Jesus' Name. So if you allow me, I wanted to share a key scripture, a key thought as we unpack this tonight. Is that okay? Yeah. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to 8, it says this. Have nothing to do with irrelevant, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Can you say godliness? Godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. In this letter. The man writing is a man named Paul. And Paul is basically a coach in this scenario. He's coaching a young pioneer, a pioneer named Timothy. Timothy's come from a mixed, mixed ethnic background. He's come from a situation that is not ideal. And he's journeyed and travelled with this guy, Paul, for multiple years, being coached and developed in everything that God's placed in his heart. Finally, this guy, Timothy, is sent out to start doing everything that he learned. That it wasn't just a matter of him receiving, 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 receiving. No, he received so that he could go and do. And so Paul writes this letter to him individually. And we sort of get a snapshot in it so that we can start applying some of these thoughts into our own lives. And he grabs this guy, Timothy, who is coaching, who is developing. And he says to him, train yourself in godliness. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read through the Bible, there's certain words that when I read them, they just buzz right over the top of my head. They're they're words that I would term in my own heart, religious words. Words that I don't know how you interpret them through anything else but in religious settings. And so when I read that word godliness, I think to myself, well, what does that really mean? Does that mean you know the right things to say at church? Does it mean that you know how to act like a Christian? And for other people, what does godliness mean? And I'm reminded today that the original use of that word doesn't come across the way that it does today to us. That it comes from a day and an age, thousands of years ago, where people would use that word to describe the fact that if you were godly, that meant that you had such a firm conviction deep down in your heart on how you were meant to live your life and what you did because of that. That the word godliness to me actually doesn't mean anything to do with religion. What it actually means is that deep down in your heart, you have a way of life that makes a difference. Godliness simply means a way of life. Now, again, if I keep on saying godliness, 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 you're going to think immediately a religious word. It was not originally designed for that. It was designed to communicate that you had such a firm conviction deep in your heart on how you should live, who you should be, and you lived out of that. Basically, what it means is that you had a operating system for your life that allowed you to function at the optimum ability. It was the upgrade that you needed to iron out all the bugs and all the hindrances and all the things that would hold you back. This word godliness was loaded. And so when Paul is coaching this young leader who comes from a a multi-ethnic background, who was set up from most opinions and options for failure and coaches him and develops him and brings the best out in him, he says, now, 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 don't stop. Just because you've arrived, don't stop. Just because you've been sent out to do what you feel you're called to do, don't stop. Now train yourself in a way of life that is not hindered or harmed by anything that you face, but comes from a deep-seated conviction on who you are called to be. I wanna live a godly life. I wanna have that type of godliness in me. That regardless of what is going on, regardless of how the basketball game's going, regardless of whether the referees are blowing the whistle, regardless of whether I feel like raising my index finger, which I won't thankfully, that whatever I face, I have deep down in me a desire that says I can train myself in God to grow through this, to be everything that He's called me to be. And I think that's available to every single one of us today. You are godly even if you don't feel like it. Because God has placed in you the potential to be everything that you were born yeah. to be. So this writer, Paul, talking to Timothy, wrote another book, Galatians. And in Galatians 1.15, he talks about how every single one of us is set apart by God from birth. And that word set apart means that you have an, an appointment on your life to accomplish something. A divine appointment, a way I think of it is that every single one of us is born with a divine destiny. But Paul goes on to say in Galatians 1.15 that even though every one of us is appointed with a divine destiny, it's not until you respond to the call of Christ on your life that the two marry up and you start to live out of who you really are. Come on. There is a way of life that takes everything that you've experienced and flips it so that you can be who you're born to be. There is a way of life that makes a difference. The scripture goes on to say, I like hearing it from different versions sometimes. In the message paraphrase, it says this 1 Timothy 4, 6 to 8. You've been raised on the message of faith and have followed sound teaching. Now, pass on this counsel to the Christians there, and you'll be a good servant of Christ. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. I'll say that again. Exercise. Yeah, Daily in God. That's how they translated that word godliness. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. (laughs) Workouts in the gymnasium are useful. But a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. There's an amazing Bible teacher that I love reading his stuff on. His name's N.T. Wright. He's from England. He writes this about godliness. Training in godliness is emphatically not what people today expect or want to hear. We expect and want to be told that spirituality is simply the sense I have of being in God's presence of being surrounded with His love, of sensing a transcendent dimension in the affairs of everyday life. It comes as a shock to be told that it's something you have to work at, much like people who are dedicated to going to the gym every day. Godliness is a way of life that says, there is more available for me. And if I can just, if I can just, if I can just clarify the way that I'm growing, Lord, by Your Spirit, You will unlock everything in me. Training is vital because it allows us to say to God, I have potential that You've placed inside me, a divine destiny, and I wanna respond to Your call on my life so that I can be, I can be who You set in your heart to be training is vital now to get a better picture of training i had to have a consultation call with our resident expert world class athlete kane hayes kane is our resident hercules <laughs> now if you don't know kane and kane if you'll allow me to talk about you without the ability for you to grab the microphone and defend <laughs> yourself Kane Hayes is a world-class athlete and I I say that in all seriousness, having represented Australia in the World CrossFit Games, firstly as a team member to a team that went over and then this year as an individual performing amazingly well, so amazingly well that he's actually got T-shirts with his name printed on it. (laughs) Next year, we need to jump in line to grab them. So I I know that Kane is a world-class athlete. I know that Kane is dedicated to this thing called CrossFit. And if you're not familiar with CrossFit, it's the amazing sport where somebody basically looked at a gym and said, let's turn this into a competitive sport. See how many times you can lift weights. See how many times you can do a rower. See how many times that you can drag this, pull that. Basically, they took a gym and turned it into a competitive sport and Kane is world-class at it. And so I asked Kane, how do you train for this? Because it's not something that you can just rock up for unannounced. How do you think I'd go at the World CrossFit Games if I just sprub my way in? <laughs> See, he's played basketball with me and he knows I get exhausted after two minutes. So I asked Kane what it means to be a world-class athlete. Do you wanna hear about his training regime? There, you go. there we go, Fridge does. Here on Mondays and Mondays, you can correct me after the message. It's not good to do it during if I get it wrong. <laughs> Mondays. Mondays is a big workout where Cain and his team lift heavy weights. That's a big workout. where they do squats and they push it as far as they can. Tuesdays is gymnastics. Now that sounds fun. But gymnastics in the sense where you're using your own body weight against you and you're trying to strain and pull and lead yourself in places that don't naturally easily go. Wednesdays is big lifts again oh funny enough but high intensity where they only do exercises for about four minutes four minutes isn't much that's fine four minutes where you don't stop and you go as hard as you possibly can then you stop for two minutes to catch your breath and you just go again and again and again hilarious (laughs) Monday Tuesday Wednesdays Thursdays Thursdays they don't do lifting at Injustice CrossFit Gym, where Kane does his workout, they don't do lifting. They, they just take it easy doing swimming and rowing machines where they push themselves until they can hardly breathe. Fridays, end of the week, was another day of big lifting and pushing yourself as far as you could go. And then Saturday, they have a day off because they're lazy. <laughs> And they follow it up with Sundays. I didn't know Jesus allowed us to exercise on a Sunday. <laughs> Where they exercise on a Sunday and push themselves through dynamic movements. So all this sounds fun. Great, let's join the gym. Let's jump in. I'll do with you. <laughs> on average, Kane Hayes and his group that work together in pushing themselves to the limit spend about two and a half hours to three hours a day doing this. Three hours on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're lazy on Saturday (laughs) and they pick it back up on Sunday. And that's just during normal seasons where they're not competing, but when they're leading up to compete internationally, they push it up to four hours a day. Amazing. What I find amazing about it is that, while I know and believe that Cain is an amazing gifted athlete, I know that the most gifted thing he has going for him is the fact that he's dedicated. That he shows up, does the time and pushes himself until he can't be pushed anymore. And I think of that in relation to godliness, that every single one of us have in us something that we can grab hold of in God, that if we're willing to be dedicated and devoted and push through and hold on regardless of what we're facing, that as we do that, God grows us, extends us, builds us up into being the people we were born to be and that you have it in you to be world-class. You have it in you to be world class. You have it in you because God has placed it in you to be somebody of significance simply because you are willing to hold on to what He's given you. That there's a way of life that if we're willing to grow in and extend in, we'll tap into every piece of potential God has for us. So I think, how do you do this? Sounds good, but... To train in godliness, if I rock up to Cain's gym, that's not going to help me much. What does it actually mean? The writer of the book of 1 uh, 1 Timothy goes on to say, as he's talking to this young man that he's coaching, says in verse 13 of chapter 4, he says to him, he says, Devote and dedicate yourself to sharing Scriptures, encouraging others to do the same. And by that, you yourself will dig deep. The first thing I want to say to you today if you're willing to dig deep and grow and extend yourself and adjust your way of life to be one where Lord God I want you to tap into every ounce of potential you're placed in me it's so the first step is be willing to dig deep and I think this is vital digging deep in him digging deep in his word in his bible Digging deep through being willing to meet with Him, even daily. Why why would we do that? Because as you do that, He flips the script of your life. You participate in something that I like to call replacement theology, where He will meet you in the way that you believe yourself to be. You believe Him and you even believe others. He will start to adjust that and shape that along the way that it should be. That as you meet with Him, as you extend, as you dig deep with Him, He changes you so that you can see yourself from His point of view. He changes us so that we can see from His point of view. It flips the script. Flips the script. That everything that I believe about myself ultimately is the stuff that holds me back. I'm convinced that the only limitation for us in the kingdom of God is us. The only limitation in my relationship with God is not him, it's me. And it's found in what I believe about myself, what I believe about him, and what I believe about other people. See, if I believe myself to be a failure, regardless of whatever show I put up in front of you, I will always be convinced that I'm failing. If I don't believe that God is good, no matter what happens in my life, I will always think that I have to keep Him happy with me. And if I think that my life is about keeping you happy with me, then I made a rod for my back that I'll never, ever be able to get free of. When Paul is coaching Timothy to live in a way of life that unlocks every ounce of potential he's got, he challenges him to dig deep in the things that God has for him to flip the script and the way that he believes about himself, about others and even about God. That's deep work. It's work that can only happen if you're willing to give time to it. When I met Jesus as a 16 year old, having never been to church in my entire life, I did weird things, because nobody was around to correct me for the first couple of months. And I remember after meeting Jesus and noticing that most churches didn't have stained glass windows and thinking that was strange, that I was not able to go to sleep until I had an opportunity to pray. But it wasn't just a time of prayer where I would just give empty things to God. I I would shut the door and I would pour out my heart as if I was talking to Him face to face. Because my first meeting with Jesus was as if He came into the room, knelt down with me by the bed and gave me a hug. So my idea of talking with God was like that, face to face. And I would spend so much time doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this, that I'm convinced He started to flip the script in my life. That things like that changed me more than anything else because I was just willing to put in the time, yep. however long it took. You know, we're heading into a prayer marathon on Friday night and I've got to admit, it's hard to get yourself up and excited about that. The idea of coming in at 9pm and staying through till 6am, naturally speaking, makes no earthly sense. Almost as much as going to CrossFit. <laughs> But see, the thing is, there's potential in us to grow so much further than we ever thought if we're just willing to push the limitations. For some of us who think that it's an amazing challenge to pray an hour, I believe it'd be the heart of God to say to you, why don't you commit to an hour? Why don't you come and join us at any point and commit to an hour? And if you run out of things to say, don't say anything. Just be there and lend your presence to the prayer that we're leading in. For others, you know, I can do an hour. Then maybe, maybe the challenge is, why don't you go three? Why don't you do a watch of the night? Why don't you commit for three hours? You think, what am I going to do for three hours? I have no idea. We'll see when you get here. (laughs) Why do we do this? To push the potential that God's got inside of us. Maybe some of us. We're gonna be doing all nighters. And I'm not saying that so that you'll suffer the next day. I'm saying that because maybe that's what it takes to break through yeah, of any limitation we've set for ourselves. Yeah. There's more in you than you realize. Yeah. You are fit for life. You are fit for life because the Spirit of God is active and alive in you. Yeah. So flip the script. If I could have the team come and join me as we bring this to a close. Can you say flip the script? Say it like you mean it, flip the script. You've got to flip the script. In verse 14 of chapter 4, Paul goes, on, Paul goes on to say to Timothy, don't neglect the gift that is in you. Talking about living a life of godliness, tapping into the potential that God has. Do you know that every single one of us have been given gifts by God? Every single, You are gifted. You are extremely gifted because God Himself designed you, created you, set you apart so that you could make a difference in this life. You are gifted. But I'm convinced that we only grow in our gifts if we actually use them. Yeah. That if we sit on them and we believe that we're gifted, but don't actually do anything with it, it doesn't develop, it doesn't grow, it doesn't make a difference. And so Paul coaching Timothy to live a life of significance says to him in being fit for life, don't neglect the gift that God's given you. And so I would say to every single one of us tonight, in the way that God's called us, in the way of life that He's leading us into, what gifts has He given you? What gifts are deep down inside of you? Because I'm convinced on the other side of your obedience and your ability to use your gifts, you're gonna lead people to encounter Jesus for themselves. So some of you think, oh, I have no gifts. Well, what if you have a gift of hospitality where you're able to open up your home and share the love of God with people? What if you're able to cook and bake and share things with people around you? What if even you have the boldness in your heart to be able to pray for people? Even as you're going to and from work and ask God, would you give me something to share with them today? Maybe there's something in you that can make a difference in somebody else. Don't neglect the gifts God's given you. Every single one of us is gifted in the way of life that would make a complete difference in somebody else's life. So dig deep, flip the script. Don't neglect the gift. Paul goes on to say in verse 15 of chapter four, give yourself entirely to these things. That's all he says. Give yourself entirely to these things. Basically what he's saying is anytime you come up against limitation, change your way of thinking to line up with the heart of God. And every opportunity you have to use the gifts that God's given you, use them and don't hold back. Maybe you're thinking tonight, well, that's impossible. That's for somebody else. That's not for me. I, I can't do anything. This way of life, this godliness, to be trained to make a difference, that's, that's not for me. No, it's something for every single one of us. I know it's so because it says so in Scripture. It says, my final Scripture tonight as we bring this to a close, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, out of the Passion Translation. Everything we could ever need for life and complete Devotion, that's that word godliness. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by His divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him who has called us by name, invited us to come to Him for a glorious manifestation of His goodness. You know what that is saying? The truth is that every single one of us who confess faith in Jesus, who are willing to follow Him as our way of life, have received everything we need for life and godliness. Have received everything, have received, have received everything we need for life and godliness by what? His divine power. Do you know what they're saying? You don't have to get up at 4am and go to Injustice CrossFit to develop this. You don't have to spend three or four hours a day pushing yourself to the limits in that extreme. You simply have to start by opening up your hands and saying, look, God, everything that you've given me, I want to receive it now. And if you receive it, use it. And as you use it, he shapes you and He moulds you into who you are born to be. There's a way of life that makes a difference, not just for you, but everybody in your life that you come in contact with. Flip the script, dig deep, don't neglect the gifts, receive everything He's got for you. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on nine five two four five zero five five.